everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not writing about various fitness, outdoors, nutrition-related stuff, I'm trying to get outside and adventure as much as I can, which has not been a lot lately, to be honest. Well, that's too bad. I am Peter Glassford. Uh, I'm an endurance coach and, uh, I guess, registered kinesiologist. I've reversed those today. Whoa, we're getting a little crazy today. Well, I've been spending a lot of time working on endurance coaching, so maybe they maybe they need to be reversed. Maybe this is my reflection for the year. Oh boy. Well, on the topic of reflections for the year, we realized since it is in fact, we just missed American Thanksgiving, uh, it made us start thinking and chatting about what we were thankful for this year, both you know with our own sport stuff, but then also you know, with the podcast. And one of the things we keep coming back to is we're so thankful to all of you guys for listening to these episodes, whether you've been listening since the first episodes that we did back, oh gosh, two and a half years ago now, uh, or if you've, you know, recently joined us, whatever has it brought you here, we're super thankful that you have been listening. And, you know, one of the best parts of my year, at least, and I'm sure Peter agrees with this, is when we're at races or at events or, you know, even just like online, when we hear from you guys, the amount of times I've been at a race now where someone comes up and mentions a podcast episode is just the coolest thing. Um, I think actually the coolest is when someone realized I was the one doing the online announcing for Cyclocross Reno based on realizing it was my voice that they recognized from the podcast versus you know, actually seeing my name anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been interesting meeting people um, through that and, and, you know, people who have been able to find some sort of interesting thing to listen to on runs or walks or, you know, going through good times or bad times or finding a new sport, inspiration to do some new movement. Yeah, I think that's been a pretty cool part is hearing, you know, some pretty, I'm going to say stubbornly hardcore cyclists uh, finally start to try you know, little tiny new things and see some people adapt the morning yoga or the morning walk, anything like that. Yeah, the yoga and strength is definitely a big part. But I think people have, you know, opened up to the idea that maybe they could try some running, uh, you know, walking a bit more, a couple of people, you know, embracing that off season to go play ultimate frisbee or hockey or something like that. Um, and, and realizing that that's okay, right? Like that's a, a good part of your athletic identity and, and in a lot of cases probably helps whatever your main sport is, right? And that's really what this podcast was all about to start off with is, you know, we're all, few of us who listen, some of us who listen are high-end athletes and thank you to listening as well to all our Olympian friends. Uh, but a lot of us aren't getting paid, right? And so A, do what you like. It's your own adventure, right? Uh, and then also there's there's the chance that because we all have these varied lifestyles with travel and kids and uh, work and all this stuff that there's, you know, maybe opportunities for more movement and dare I say training by incorporating some of these other sports, right? Like what are the benefits of learning to dribble a soccer ball? I remember back to what was that Lauren Susselman podcast, we talked about dribbling soccer balls, you know, is there an agility coordination, you know, hand eye, hand foot, uh, element that may transfer over to other sports, even cycling or running or, you know, trail running, stuff like that, right? And you could do that in in your house, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the other themes that's kind of come up a bunch this year has also been this idea of 
you know, we all do our training and a lot of us do a lot of it solo, but most people race not necessarily for results. I mean, although the results are nice, it's a lot about the community that they get to see every weekend, you know, during race season. And I had talked back in January, I wrote extensively about this, how my one word New Year's resolution was community, as in, you know, this idea of really finding new communities in where we live and, you know, working on the communities that I already had and, you know, whether that meant going back to Massachusetts to be part of a road cycling team or, you know, helping out with our off-road cycling club up here in Collingwood um, or hanging out with the the moms that let me join in for the cross-country runs. Um, all of that kind of came back to this idea of community. And what was cool is it kind of kept coming up with a bunch of the people that we interviewed throughout the course of the year. I mean, Chris McDougall, the man who wrote Born to Run and Natural Born Heroes, one of my favorite authors of all time, I think he spent probably half the episode we did with him talking about, you know, finding other people to be training with and run with and finding that sense of community in whatever it is that you're doing. So that was a big part of your, if if we call it goal setting for the... 2018 season Mm -hmm. was based around that community right and that you know you frame that maybe more as a new year's resolution but i think we're ultimately we're talking about a a similar process right we're talking about how we want the future to manifest Mm -hmm. Um, and that could be a very specific i want to win a a certain type of race uh, but it could also be in our life right you can certainly goal set with all these things and so you you used a, a one-word resolution, a one-word goal to sort of summarize maybe a set of actions or choices that you might make. Yes, and I mean, I will admit that some of the choices made because of said one-word resolution were maybe a little excessive in the name of community, um, but I think they were all pretty worth it. Um, it's been a pretty awesome year, and like I said, it's cool to hear that it seems like that's becoming more and more popular in why people are training and racing and doing all of these things. So I guess I'll also just add that I'm very thankful for all of the communities that I've gotten to be part of and, you know, the people that we've gotten to talk to that have, you know, talked about embracing community. Hopefully, I think we've seen it with some of your clients, some of the people I've worked with. Um, A lot of what keeps you in a sport is really the people who are in it, not so much the results or, you know, the numbers or anything like that. Well, I think, again, we're not getting Olympic medals here, right? You know, most of us are not getting paid. So there has to be something there on the the personal level, you know, personal improvement, pushing your limits. Um, But there also has to be some sort of enjoyment there for most of us. I mean, not everyone values, you know, some of us are exceptionally introverted maybe and don't need that or are getting it from other parts of our life. But uh, I think that that's a reality, right? So I think... For some people, that could be a great goal, you know, to sort of invest and sit, you know, stay around after events a bit more or volunteer at events a bit more. Mm-hmm. Even on the elite side, actually, what's been interesting in the last couple of years is realizing, you know, for cyclocross specifically, for example, uh, to really make it on a global scale in cyclocross, you pretty much have to go over and live in Europe and race in Europe for the full season. You can't just keep bouncing back and forth. That's just been kind of proven over and over again. Um, but as as a racer going over there to live, it's almost impossible to live over there and race well because you're so isolated. 
uh, when you're over there. So you see all these great talents from the U.S. that are still struggling, you know, no matter how many watts they can produce, no matter what they're doing on paper, no matter how they're racing in the U.S., they still have a really hard time in Europe because there's still a lack of community there for them. So even at the highest level, the community thing really comes into play. And I think there it's, it's looking at, you know, it's interesting. It sort of reminds me of the conversation I've been having with a few clients around, okay, well, what is the next step? And it, it, in some ways it's almost stepping in the reverse direction, I guess. But the idea that to be a cyclocross racer at that elite level, you need to immerse yourself. Um, and for some people, they're not immersing themselves in whatever. So being an ultra trail runner or a rock climber, you know, they're not quite getting into that, you know, they're not focused on that on a daily, you know, in their daily workout or, you know, all winter thinking about that and preparing for that, um, you know, going to enough of those specific types of races, training with people who are also training for those types of races, right? Um, and I guess what I'm thinking is that community sort of feeds into that, right? And that's almost what you're saying with this cyclocross in Europe. It's a very niche Olympic level type application, but you wonder how much of that is is similar, right? They talk a familiar term would or concept would be you know, they talk about uh, I don't know who they are, but experts. When you're trying to lose weight, right? Sometimes you have people in your life that are not so helpful, or if you're trying to start running, right? Like if you get a workout buddy or something like that, right? And how that community can sort of feed into that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a common refrain in some of the end of season reviews. I do sort of a document and then we usually do a, a call or an email or a bit of both and some data analysis with clients. And it's sort of been a refrain for a lot of these clients. We've pushed them as much as we can, you know, ride in the trainer, you know, Zwift, not to pick on that again, but I guess I'll become that guy. Maybe I can get on TV for it or something. I don't know that anyone is covering that on TV. What, being, like, against Swift? Yeah. I think I could be that guy. I don't know if I want to, though. They're probably nice people. Um, they are. Shout out to Swift. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, so all I have to say, how much you can do on your own versus getting immersed in a community where then you're, you know, you have this information share, you have this motivation, you have this, like, daily expected, like, work capacity, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, And you actually do get to see that exact thing happen in Europe for, say, the month of January when everyone is living at the USA Cycling, like, HQ in the Netherlands. Um, You start to see the one guy who goes out for the morning run. Uh, The next morning, you start seeing, like, two or three guys sort of going out either with him or kind of just behind him. You know, the the one guy... uh, orders salad or has more salad that that night instead of going for like the third helping of pasta and suddenly you know the younger athletes are kind of following along with that Um, so it's yeah the, the power of community is huge so if you haven't found yours or you feel like you might need one maybe that's more where your resolution for next year lies versus you know losing five pounds or gaining 50 watts or whatever you know, numerical resolution you were thinking of. Well, and it might be part of that, right? Again, the way I sort of lay out, you know, we look through the season, clients say, okay, this is what I liked about the season. This is what, you know, I really enjoyed this. It might have been winning the race or doing this race or these type of rides. They find the thing they enjoy, the thing, and then they pick out what did you not enjoy? What was the the crappiest one? Okay, it's probably losing something or not meeting a goal or getting sick at a bad time. 
you know, and we talk about that, but then eventually we sort of work through this form, this discussion, uh, and find an outcome goal. So that could be an obvious, you know, I want to place top hundred in this race. I want to get under nine hours in this endurance race. Um, and then out of that, whatever that outcome is, there's always going to be process or practice goals, uh, is what I would call them. So things you're going to do on the day to day or the week to week that are going to lead to that. Right. So that's sort of what we're talking about here is I'm going to ride with X people or X group once a week because they're, I just know that those are people, you know, we have Paris to Ancaster a gravel grinder here, big common goal for masters, especially is to get in that top hundred. I would say top, a good goal for most people is top hundred. And so a good way to do that, we know numbers that are associated with this. It's fairly predictable to train towards that. But a lot of people just don't ride gravel mixed terrain and they don't ride with people who are in of that caliber. And it can be hard. Like that can, it's not the easiest thing. Like you said, you had to drive to find some of these communities and to find a women's crit team that you could race on. You know, so sometimes it involves driving to ride with people or to train with people, right? But you see all sorts of stories like these people that drive Olympians that drive four hours to go train with a certain coach or a certain group. I feel like that's literally every ice skater ever's bio for some reason. I think I was going to say it's every speed skater's bio, yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah, reading that about so many figure skaters because when I was a kid, Tara Lipinski was the big... Right. figure skater in the u.s so every book was about figure skaters and all of them had that going yeah and that might not be possible for everyone right you know i have lots of clients that live in pretty remote areas but there's usually some element of that right a- another common thing that is you know we're training for a goal that involves a lot of hills and that people live in very flat areas right so a is that the goal we actually want to go after you know are we willing to drive to hills and then b okay that's the goal we want to go after We need to drive to hills. So it might mean instead of doing a four-hour ride, like maybe there's some weeks you have to do a two-hour ride and drive an hour each way to get that training, right? But it's very specific. It's what actually matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like all of that. Yeah. So that's, I think, when we're looking at this whole episode, which we didn't really intro super well, um, we're looking, you know, we're thankful. What are we thankful for in season? And then we're going to take that and review it, right? So... How do we turn that into action for next year, right? It's in the past, so it only matters so much. But what are we going to do now, right? And so we thought today that we'd go through some of these common themes and some of these, you know, some of the things that my clients have sort of experienced, some of the things you've seen. Yeah, I think the one that both of us kind of accidentally came to this year uh, that I'm gonna I'm gonna flip as a thankful for is that I'm really thankful for being sort of injured, actually. Um, I never thought that would be a thing I would say. I feel like we've had a lot of people on here that talk about how to prevent injury, uh, which obviously would be the ideal situation. But, you know, as it is, my knee has been sort of out. I'm dealing with knee pain stuff. I haven't been able to run for, you know, going on a month now, which is very, very frustrating. But Ultimately, I'm trying to think about it as a thing that I'm really thankful for because it's forcing me to figure out, okay, what's what's going on? Why is this happening? And what are practices that I can put in place in order to make sure it doesn't happen again? So I think 
you know, <laughs> in this weird way, I'm actually really happy that this negative thing happened now versus, you know, going another couple of years with my, I'm not going to phone roll. I'm not going to do any mobility. I'm going to kind of ignore any recovery. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about yours is at least you, there's some sort of tracing of, you know, a, there's a cause and effect. There's a sure. acute chronic ratio. So we always talk about, you know, people go down to training camp and they haven't trained all winter or if you know done five hours a week and then all of a sudden they do five hours a day so the acute chronic ratio is a a pretty good indicator of injury usually uh and so you violated that you you basically went and did a fairly long and hilly gravel grinder with very minimal chronic chronic training load bike training load uh or hills um (laughs) So there was an obvious sort of training error there, and then you have a bit of a biomechanical issue that, you know, again, foam rolling and some, some correctives may and will likely sort of remedy, right? So, But it brought that to light, I'd say. Like, that gravel grinder situation made me realize that I have these imbalances, that there was just only so long I was going to be able to get away with them. So now I actually have to work on them. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's good. I think you're you're planning a couple pretty sizable efforts in 2019, right? So the the positive may be that these injuries and these pauses that you're having to take are going to prevent, you know, you're going on this 80k self-supported run and getting halfway around and your knee becomes quite an issue. Uh, right? So just a reminder, A, you have to train for things and B, you know, the biomechanics, you can only outrun likely for so long, unless you're a genetic freak, it is possible to outrun biomechanics, but not everyone can do that. Sorry, two and a half years. And I still have not learned that one should train for the event that she is trying to do. Two and a half. Two and a half years of doing this podcast where we Mm. talk about how to be super smart, intelligent athletes. Uh, yeah. So and you've had your own... Yeah, I mean, for a year that started so poorly, this time last year, I was battling with this crazy, like, elbow rash became just like, by the time we, we were in Belgium for a couple weeks, and then I got this just horrible full body hives that broke out and this elbow that just went berserk. And like, I was up all night for most of the trip, just itching. Super um, fun to be around. And dealt with itching from basically like, late October I guess was it late October through till like well into the new year like I think it finally subsided maybe like towards February um I don't even know that it had completely I'd say it was like May before we found any like well and then like certainly to get rid of the the actual rash on my elbow um and so that was crazy like my arm stopped working basically um like around Christmas and stuff like zero training and couple rounds of antibiotics so it was it was pretty rough like probably the roughest I've ever and certainly the itch like so I think I'm thankful that I got to experience a like just not being able to move and getting to the point where I was so tired and so demotivated that like I got to the point where you understand when someone's really down and you're like oh well if they just moved you know just go for a walk right it's not always that easy so I think it was a good experience to go through to understand like what a privilege it is to a be a little bit spastic and sort of I always have to move a little you know I like to move and then being able to right 
Um, yeah. So, so that was, and then on the flip side, to be able to experience coming back to pretty good form, having a nationals race in July that went really, really well. Um, and then a provincials, I ended up winning. Um, so, I mean, as far as the year went, I came back from, again, January, February, March, not amazing training. Um, to really a pretty solid season, I would say better than the last couple seasons. And it's funny because I've now talked to a few athletes on this podcast and for other interviews who've all had a kind of similar things, maybe not quite that rashy, um, but where they've you know been doing pretty well, everything is going okay, and then they actually have an injury that knocks them out of the sport or out of training for you know one to four months, say. And they come back and they're more motivated, they're stronger, they're smarter. Um, it's just a really common thread. I was just talking to an ultra runner, Casey Lichtig, and she actually had a similar knee thing to what I had, but she ran through it until she actually fractured her pelvis. And I'm hoping to get her on to talk about that. Um, but it's take it took her eight months to kind of come back, but she's running faster and better than ever because she's so happy to be back to running. Hmm. So it's kind of amazing. Did she have osteopenia or why did it break? No, it was because she ran through two knees, like runner's knees that like swelled up to grapefruit size. And she was just doing crazy uh, run gait patterns and weakening stuff. And then she fell during a race. Oh, so there was like an acute. Yeah. Okay. So chronic load and then an acute incident. Hmm. Um, but if she had just stopped and let her knees recover, the odds of that happening would actually have been much, much lower. So, you know, she's kind of now learned that lesson, but she's also just super stoked to be back to running. And I've heard that from a few people. Yeah. And I think, so I think that gave me respect or at least appreciation for a downtime and just taking care of your health first, which has always been part of my philosophy of coaching. But I think sort of added and reiterated that easier said than done too right yeah for sure um but that and then just the importance of throughout the season i think the other thing i did really well was just really focusing on quality and that sometimes meant like one workout that was even a workout all week but it was i mean damn sure like i was focused on for me it's just really that start like the critical moments in the races for me are the start right the the hard part and then i can always keep like the average speed is never it's like the the hard efforts the you know two minutes off the start the two minutes that make the the race and then you just hold on right um so just that really top end stuff and the only way to train that especially given my years of training are you just have to be recovered to put that much load into it so Mm -hmm. yeah so i think just being ready for that and i think that was a lot of the reason i had anything at nationals and then nationals we made sure even though we drove out that you know we took that week pretty relaxed and no crazy extra things going on and then provincials was okay it was sort of crazy with ellen's camp leading into it but i guess good vibes and hanging out with a lot of really strong independent ladies where we had the best races of our season after that so True. yeah yeah Some, something in the water in western mass so what else what else do we have here as far as goal setting well, and... so what i wanted to talk to you about is you're currently in the middle of doing a ton of your end of season reviews with clients so for people who you know don't necessarily have a coach that's going to hop on the phone with them for an hour i'd love to hear 
you know, how can someone do an end of season review for themselves and kind of taking into account this idea of being thankful, but you know, how can you look back at your year and what are you assessing? I mean, I think you can probably find, we've had Danielle Kabush, we've had a few people on, so I would listen to some of those podcasts we've had on around sports psych. Um, I also have an intake form that has some sort of built in goal setting in it. So if you just want to fill it out, you don't have to even press send if you don't want to, or you can, and just sort of ghost me after, um, and then you can also book a call. The calls are only $25, so you can definitely do that, and you can talk to me about your goals, and I can let you know what I think. So that's all at smartathlete.ca. Yeah, um, but I think more globally, I think just looking at the season past, what did you intend to do, and did it happen, and then sort of think through, and I think this is even could be a very open journaling exercise, right? Like get a blank page. What did you want to do this year? For some people, a lot of times when I talk to people, we haven't really set an actual goal. And that may be appropriate. It might've been, I'm just going to participate in X race series this year. I'm a beginner racer and that's fine. Um, but at the end of the year, sometimes it, it's, you know, when you set that sort of like, okay, you participated in the races, check mark, you did it. Um, and, and then you, sometimes you feel like, oh, that would maybe undershot, right? So maybe you do need to put a little more of a qualifier on that. So a lot of things, what I'll do is I'll look at how close were you to winning or, upgrading or different things like that those are the common sort of sport um expert goals right or i either want to get closer to winning or on the podium or win or upgrade so we sort of look at that and how far away are you Um, a lot of races you can sort of calculate a percent back from the leader or the place you want to be i talked about top 100 at paris day and caster and that is a pretty common like if you have a few races you'll see like i'm almost always 10 to 15%, you know, or 10% off. And then now you have to get 10% better in a lot of different areas, right? So ride 10% more, you know, increase your power outputs by 10%, learn more skills. If that's relevant to your discipline, it probably is. Um, You know, strength training could be 10%. And just try and think in those percentages. It's a pretty rough way to go about it. But if you can get 10% better, and as a beginner, that should be no brainer. then you can sort of, you can see how that goal, right? And that gets back to that process goal of, you know, power outputs, skills, right? You could get quite mathematical about it and pretty calculated. I was going to ask, yeah, when you're talking to your clients, for example, do you go more like qualitative or quantitative? Mm, That's a good question. And so I think it depends on the person, right? Mm -hmm. I usually try and pull people back towards the center, I think, right? So you have your people that don't have a lot of data, uh, and so it's very nebulous, but we have a lot of feelings, which are good. Um, but sometimes it's very hard, right? Like you feel, but you can't really, where do you get the results? So that's where if you don't have any power or pace times for running or things like that, if it's if that person has just has never collected data, right? Or they're not a power person, they're not a data person, then you can pull that from race results maybe and sort of pull them back to, okay, well, let's try and figure this this side of things out right Mm -hmm. but on the flip side i have a lot of people who are very data oriented and we have to add a bit of feelings to that right because there's usually feelings there on just as there's data there um just so we have a balanced approach right yeah i I, i'm a big believer that there's sort of three things i've been saying this a lot lately the clients that do the best are the ones that are willing to be focused every day so not necessarily work hard every day but be focused every day for even whatever that is half an hour the clients also collect some sort of data and whatever that means for their development and their sport. 
and they log that reliably and they have an attention to it. So for a runner with no major data, it might just mean they go to the same hill and they're willing to do a bit of monotonous work so that we know times around a loop or up a hill. Um, for It might also mean a power meter, it might also mean pace. And then they also add qualitative, so they add some feeling to that. I felt good today. I ran with Molly today. I, you know, hate this workout. Hate Molly today. <laughs> right? And and so once you have those three things reliably, it's very rare to, for someone not to do well. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, next question about your end of season stuff, because I find this end of season review is honestly like so much more important in a lot of ways than even setting the goals for next year because if you don't have this process ahead of figuring out next year's goals you're never actually getting closer to them i don't think like, yeah, i guess i sort of wrap them up together yeah but what do you mean you're not getting closer well if you don't ever sit down and think about how did this go so the, i think the best example of this is for I'm going to say 20 years now. If you asked me what like I wanted to do body-wise, I would say I wanted to lose five pounds. Could not tell you what I weigh at the beginning of the year. Could not tell you what mm. I weigh right now. Don't know. But you know what? I would still probably end up saying my New Year's resolution would be to lose five pounds. I've gotten smarter in the last few years. But you know, from probably 11 years old till I was 25, 26, that would have been my goal, despite the fact that I did not keep any track of it, any log of it, have any plans around it. It was just always this weird nebulous goal. So if you don't actually take the time to stop and like think about how the goal went, you're just going to keep ending up saying the same goal kind of over and over again and never actually getting there or not getting there as effectively. Or you just keep doing the same wrong things or like things that mm. aren't giving you the 10% because you didn't really think about it. It's a common goal, I guess, body composition, right? If we think about an athlete population um, and I try and push, that's one of the questions in my form is tell me about yourself as an athlete. I've stole that from the brave athlete people largely um, because my goal is to get everyone thinking like an athlete um, but not everyone thinks about that. It's surprising, actually, the answers to that question are some people who I think should, you know, are quite athletic and mm-hmm. athletic, you know, being training as part of their life, you know, they have a hard time. And so that's a discussion then to have, right? There's obviously some feelings behind that. Um, and what would make you feel more like an athlete, right? Um, okay, so my, my question I know, that I ended up I know. accidentally is the weight loss. No, that wasn't my question. Oh, because I was going to say first, what I would do is a, does this person, I would look in the background, like, does this person actually need to lose weight? Or is there a body composition, like, you know, leanness that we need to go after? Are the results not sufficient? Um, Then I would ask them more about why, like, why do you want to lose five pounds? Like, what's going to happen when you lose five pounds? Which again, I couldn't answer because I couldn't tell you how much I weighed. Well, I mean, you, the actual goal you have for this season, if I try and verbalize your goals for you you've <laughs> somebody's to- got to yeah i mean you want to do ultra runs that involve large hills so there is a power to weight there's an obvious power to weight with that but there's also a health and in ultra running like you have to be able to not get sick and also absorb a lot of impact so there's sort of this like odd you know balance where the the weight is going to slow you down and also add impact but it's also going to make you more resilient mm-hmm. so I think it's a good, especially 
with younger people, but really with anyone, if they're, if it's close, then I think that's where it's sort of good enough when you start going after more of the performance. So for a runner, you could look at their VAM, like how fast they're running uphill um, mm-hmm. or just the amount they're climbing is usually it's just way too low and they need to climb more. So now all of a sudden you need to climb more. The more you become an uphill runner, the more you'll look like an uphill runner. Um, Dean Golich, the episode with that one, we asked him about power to weight for cyclists and specifically with females. And that was his answer was if the power goes up, they'll, it'll just go that way almost always. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other question would be, well, what did you do this year to lose five pounds? Like, did you have a plan? Like, what was the, what was the thing you changed are you actually asking me? Because I was just trying to give like an example. Well, I guess like, so decades. if nothing changed in your behavior, right? And that's, that's again, when we're looking at these practice or process goals, it's what is the behavior that we're going to change? So for you, it might be, okay, I eat, drink cola every day. I do not. So then it'd be, okay, well, maybe we're going to switch over. We're going to get ourselves a sparkling water machine and no, we're just going to drink water. Is this, this might be Peter's ploy to get us... A soda water No, thing. but again, if your goal is you think five pounds is going to make you the best runner and a happy person, okay, interesting, why? Ex- let's explore that. Maybe there's some odd feelings that we need to dig deeper on. But if you're like, it probably would make you better as a runner, let's try this theory. What is the process goal that we're going to do? Well, low-hanging fruit, you're drinking cola and two glasses of milk. I would probably pull those out. Also not doing that. Pull those out and then continue to train, run uphill more, train effectively, sleep, and away you go. Yes. Goal setting. I I think what I was trying to say, (laughs) completely not really the the question I had asked. Okay, well, you had another goal. So let's let's look at this other goal. It was related to your athlete self. No. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what the goal was. That was not a thing. Okay, what was the goal? Well... My, my point here <laughs> was going to be that if you don't have this end of year conversation where you talk about, okay, our point was to, you know, drop down on the soda or X, Y, Z, did we execute on it? Then like, you know, if you try to go set a new goal for next year without thinking about what you did this year and what worked and what didn't, mm-hmm. you're just kind of, kind of be in this weird cycle of resetting the same goal over and over without even knowing what's working and what isn't. So that's why the end of the year thing is very important. Yeah, and so, I, do you have more? I do have more. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you um, two questions. One would be, how, how do you deal with a client who has a really good year and is really happy with their end of year review? And then how do you deal with someone who's really not happy with how their year went? Because both present sort of interesting challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I mean, I think both are very important. I think everyone, ideally, I would talk to and work through this process because I think it's there's a lot of things that the athlete knows that the coach obviously doesn't. Or maybe not obviously, but the coach doesn't know, right? Because you're with yourself all the time. Yeah, it's very annoying. So there could be feelings, right? Like I could think, oh, wow, like this data looks amazing. This is the best like power, you know, the power's all increased. You know, this is went perfect. You know, they won. And then it could be like, oh, this is the worst season ever. And it's like there's feelings behind that for whatever reason, right? Like the race wasn't as hard as they thought it was going to be. It was an easy win or something, right? Or they had another number in their head 
you know, they wanted that CP20 to be even higher, but it was like, you won. Why did they want it to lose 10 pounds instead of five? It it could be any (laughs) of these things, right? So it's that. And then I think you also have to be careful of that, that post the quote unquote post Ironman burnout, right? So I won provincials. I'm the king of provincials or what is my title? The, The provincial world champion. So now what? I don't know. He hasn't stopped crying since, so I'm not really sure how he's going to answer So that. now what, right? So I had a client, I think I referenced this on the last podcast, just finished uh, a big stage race. It's been his, like, not life school, but it's been a se- couple of seasons. He's had to deal through, you know, a couple lifestyle things, a couple injuries, finally got things put together. We did it. Uh, went great. But now what? Right. And so that's that is an important conversation because we need to get back on the horse and doing something. Right. It might be for some people, maybe you don't. Maybe you need to go in another part of life. Right. And you're going to focus on career or family or whatever. Some people might be a different discipline, you know, switching from cyclocross to gravel. And that's fine, too. And some people might just be I'm provincial champion now. I just want to do that again next year. And what am I going to do to get that CP20 up or that, you know, and you set goals around that. I think for a lot of my, some of my masters, like you, you get to the peak of some of these categories. And if you're not willing to travel or there is no upgrade, you end up like topping out, right? And who are you chasing now? So some of them end up winning by, you know, they're just out front by five minutes and it's like, okay, well, what do you do now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think this actually all kind of does circle back a little bit to the kind of key point of this idea of being thankful too. Um, is when someone has had a bad season or even a great season that they're feeling bad about, um, kind of coming to what did go well this season, what can mm-hmm. we be thankful for, you know? Okay, yeah. so you don't have anyone that you're you're racing because you're ahead by five minutes. Like, let's be thankful that you've raised your power to that point where you can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely, like I say, that's a, a question for both people. You know, all the times people we, that I have go through this process you know, what went well and what went bad? What could mm-hmm. we improve on, right? Like there's there's got to be something we can improve on. Um, and some people, you know, will, or everyone's on one side of that equation. Some people are very good at pulling out positives. Some people, like I'm not great at pulling out positives a lot of the time for myself. I'm very oriented on like, oh, this is what I could do better. And that's served me relatively well, but at some point you need to reflect on the positives too, right? So... You asked about the person who doesn't have a good year. Yeah. How do you talk them around to figuring out what they are thankful for and what they're happy about? There's usually something there, right? I think sometimes there's expectations, like you say, that weren't, you know, either the goal was just so bold, right? It wasn't maybe the the goal that should have been set, maybe a little ambitious, Um but I think a lot of times it's, again, finding something in the power, something in the, you know, this, this community is a good place to start. Things that, you know, why are you participating? We get back to that why, right? Often it has nothing to do with the medal at the local race, right? Maybe the goal was to win the local race, but all of that is very subject to who shows up and how life goes, right? And so for a big subset of my clients, it's, you know, power numbers look okay. They did the best they could with, you know, life and what threw, what's thrown at them. 
and then you know they went to the race and had a great time and the community's really good and they had a blast and the family came and everyone had a good time and everyone got home safe sometimes that's good you like live to fight another year right and maybe next year life's more chill right and then you build on that right and what, what was the good thing what didn't work and then you can set again that outcome process goal off of that and sometimes that okay i didn't get the goal and that sometimes is a nice point for reflection like do i set a different goal different discipline you know instead of top 100 maybe i'm a top 200 person for now um or you know do you just try again and okay it's obvious like i just didn't train this year i didn't think i needed to and apparently you need to train um i have heard that you know and that's tongue-in-cheek but you know sometimes it's just like you know we set the goal of training this much or this hard or this type of training and it just didn't happen you never drove to a hill you never rode a hill and this race was an uphill race next year if you're if that's the goal then you know there we go and there's sometimes there's that obvious cause and effect and sometimes there's a reason for the cause and effect and sometimes it just you know we, we fall off track so, awesome yeah hopefully there's something there i think so so i think we're gonna wrap up on that one so again just Thank you so much to everybody who listens to the show and who has been listening. We love and appreciate you very much. And actually, we'd also really like to hear about your end of season wrap ups. You know, how did your season go? Is there stuff you're super excited about? Is there a new sport that you're dying to try for next year? Is there a new goal you have in mind? Is there something, you know, doing your end of season goal setting and looking back and everything is there something you realize that you need to shift or want to start changing uh you know let us know comment let us know on twitter at peter glassford or at molly j herford like peter said smartathlete.ca has a ton of really good resources for that Um, whether you just want to you know see what an input form looks like or if you want to book a consult with either of us we're both open for that and I think, yeah, that's that's about it. So happy belated Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, and we will be back with our regularly scheduled programming next week. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone, and it really helps us out. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week.